Welcome back to the Conclusion of the Matter podcast. Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 and 14, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. And again, we want to welcome everyone back. And this is the beginning of season three, so we want to thank Four. all... All right, all right. <laughs> Four. Starting this one off. Well, we got into remember there was a discrepancy between yes, like if we would do a it by the B, year or so yeah. depending on how you look at it, yeah. it could be season three, it could be season four. But for the sake of unity, <clears throat> welcome back to season four <laughs> of the conclusion of the matter. Um, and we want to thank everyone for for listening and hope you all are looking forward to our next season as much as we are. But Ren, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and kick it over to you and you can introduce our first topic of the season. All right. Well, again, as Robbie mentioned, it's great to be back. Glad everybody is tuning in. We hope that this is going to be another uh, encouraging season, uh, educational season, as as we always try to explore these, these things based upon what the scriptures teach. Uh, I know Ryan and I, when we did that little teaser, we mentioned that we are... Uh, recording now with some new equipment. And just with that in mind, uh, if y'all in listening to this notice things, you know, too much background noise, whatever, we're still, uh, we, we tried to get it set up to where those things wouldn't really be an issue. But if you notice things that we don't, please don't hesitate uh, to reach out to us and we'll, we'll work on it and try to get it dialed in to where it sounds as good as possible. We're not tech wizards, at least I'm not, but I do enjoy looking at this type of thing. So again, if you all the pretty colors, yes, <laughs> mm-hmm. and also Ryan is sitting next to the soundboard, and it's got sound some different sound effects, <laughs> some voiceover <clears throat> things that you can do. So if you ever hear, hear any weird noises, it's probably Ryan. Uh, but again, it's good to have everybody back. Uh, we are going to be looking at, I think, an interesting topic, and it's one that is discussed a lot uh, within the scope of religion and I guess especially Christianity uh, and that is the the question of why is there suffering and so I think there's a number of different ways that we could go about answering this I think there's a number of different answers to this specific question uh, but I guess I thought about looking at some misconceptions surrounding suffering to begin with and as far as misconceptions about, the causes of suffering and why suffering exists and things of that nature. And, and one of the first things that I thought about was a couple of passages in the New Testament where Christ is, he's kind of dealing with this idea of why certain things happen to certain people. And one example that I thought of was John 9, verses 1 through 3. And It states there, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Uh, So I would would say based upon that, and I would still say that even people today kind of have the same type of mentality that if something happens to you, if something unfortunate happens to you or tragic happens to you, then that means that you committed some sort of sin and you're being punished by God. That was the idea that the disciples had. I would say that was probably the general mentality of the Jews uh, Mm -hmm. 
within yeah. the first century, but also throughout well, other. Well, yeah, and I, the one I think of is the I think it's the Tower of Siloam. Yeah, or I have what, that one as okay. well. Luke thirteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'll, you want me to go over there and read that? I have it. If okay, but it, Jesus said, or those eighteen on in Luke chapter thirteen, verse four, um, and and this verse is book bookended with uh, repent, right. um, repent. I tell you, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And in the middle of that, he says, or those 18 on whom the Tower of Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all of others who lived in Jerusalem? So it wasn't, it didn't fall on them because right. they were so much more wicked than the other right. people. It was just that I think this is one of those where things happen and yeah. God allows mm-hmm. things to happen. Um, I don't know if you you mentioned it, but a lot of times you hear the atheists go to this. Oh, yeah. And it's because, yeah. well... If there's such a God, a loving God, how could he allow this type of stuff right. to happen? And that's really the one of the few times the atheist will even sort of say there is a God. They're not saying right. there is one, but their hypothesis yes. means there is one for their argument to right. even be there, which I find interesting. But mm-hmm. Right. Well, and ironically enough, everything that we know about God's nature, you know, in this case, the fact that we know that God is all-powerful— where did you learn that he was all powerful? It was from his word, right? Right. Something that atheists don't claim to to, you know, validate. Same thing. Where do we learn about God's love? Same oh, source from, yeah. from the Bible. Um now the just um Ryan, to your point, I think the their overall argument is kind of twofold. They go and say that generally speaking, God if God is all loving and if he's all powerful, powerful, then why does suffering itself exist? Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, th- to follow that to the logical conclusion, the implication is either that God is either not powerful enough, not loving enough, or both. And, you know, I guess it kind of depends on who you ask for the rest of that. But even, you know, flash forward today, when we look at things like natural disasters, tornadoes, earthquakes, even, you know, cancer, different diseases, you know, obviously we could point to a whole lot of different scenarios that cause people suffering, cause a lot of, you know, turmoil emotionally, physically. And so if those things exist, then God is either not loving enough towards people or he's not powerful enough. He can't do anything about them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And especially... When this happens to either Christians or those who are related or friends or, you know, direct relatives of Christians or children, you know, especially with children, you know, and when a child dies young, you know, Mm -hmm. how could God allow this to happen if he's all loving or all powerful? I think that that argument goes back to your question was, where do we find out the attributes of God from his word? Mm -hmm. And nowhere in the word does it say he's going to prevent... Right, bad things from happening to me. Yeah. Now he does say that in Romans chapter eight, verse twenty-eight, all things work towards good, good. Right? right? And it may be in this world, but more importantly, in the context of that chapter, talking about the afterlife, eternity, yeah. and things like that. But there's more said in the Bible about you will deal with suffering than yeah. not deal right. with suffering. Well, right. plus, and it's like an, a complete misconception of who God is, and I think we probably mentioned similar things on different podcasts, but, you know, especially in today's standards, a lot of people view God as like, you know, is only a God of love and also with his nature, you know, the other, 
excuse me, the other part of it is that he's also a God of justice. And, you know, because we kind of view him as God's going to love me no matter what, you know, it's hard to reconcile that with suffering. And that's why a lot of people struggle with this whenever suffering does happen to them. But to your point, and I'm sure we'll look at it in detail, there's a whole lot more evidence for... There will be suffering. Exactly. Yes. So yes. Uh, it's just a misconception of, of who God is and really the promises, what the purpose here right. And the promises is. he right. made. Which, exactly. Yeah. They're yeah. just kind of like taking things out of context. Mm-hmm. Well, and to go with that point, because I was thinking about this while you were talking, I think another reason why... I mean, obviously, we look at it from the perspective of atheists, like we, you already described, Robbie and Ryan, but you look at it from the perspective of Christians, and a lot of Christians struggle with the idea of why is there suffering, and I think it comes back to a misunderstanding, like you were just talking about, of who God is, but not only that, but of how He works. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of Christians, even, and I hear this type of language even among members of the church, where they'll use phrases like, God is in control. And I understand and I agree with that idea, that basic (laughs) principle. But typically how that's used is God dictates everything. He made it happen, Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's, again, and I'm sure we'll get into this more, but that's not really the way that God works. And we see that uh, throughout the Scriptures and numerous passages that kind of point out some things along that line. But I think that's another huge misconception. I think that's why some Christians struggle with this idea, too. I, I think he the important thing is to re, he allows it to happen, yes. and I think that's what we see. And believe it or not, I don't even have one passage from the book of Job in my notes, which is probably... Oh, really? Surp- I, I, yes, I don't. Um, but inevitably, at the beginning, that's the whole reason why Job was was suffering is because God allowed it to right. happen. Mm-hmm. He didn't cause it, to your point, but he allowed it. Um, so I think he is in control, but he's, yes. he's you know, Satan said, well, he only serves you because you put a hedge around him. So, okay, God says, well, you can do this. You can do, I'm letting right. you do this. Right. So there is some control to the matter, I absolutely. think. But, absolutely. But you're right, well, he's then, not doing yeah. it. And then he, we look at even passages like Daniel 2, 21, uh, and also other passages like Romans 13, where it talks about how God sets up kingdoms and he takes them down. Yeah. And, and there's so many, mm-hmm. and we did, did we do a full episode last season on providence? Yeah. Or did we just include that with the episode on angels? I thought we did one on providence. I think providence. we did one. Did we do a full one on so. providence? I think, but maybe not. But I mean, we see that concept yes. throughout scripture. And again, sometimes we end up going a little too far with that and saying that God did this controls every single aspect. And there are certain things that God has set up in this world, like the laws of nature, nature, yeah, like weather and storms and all Mm -hmm. of those things. God didn't conjure up a hurricane to destroy a specific city to punish them. It's part of the nature that he created. Right. And that was kind of the point that I was going to bring up because like, is God powerful enough to use the laws of nature against civilizations? Yeah. Obviously, yes, because like there's multiple times in the Old Testament where he, he suspended did. the law of nature. Okay. Yeah. But now that, and we've done a podcast on this too, but now that that age of miracles is not necessary anymore, God generally works within the laws of nature. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, if a hurricane or an earthquake, you know, happens, you know, how many times would God have to like suspend the laws of nature in every single instance? where, like, a natural disaster happened in order to save, like, every single person. 
Yeah. And and so like he just doesn't operate the same way that we see in the Old Testament that you know he demonstrated his capability and his power to do so. Mm-hmm. So I, I was just going to say that, and we we alluded to it that the Bible says a lot more about suffering, and not only does it talk about there will be, but the attitude that we should have with it. And the two passages mm-hmm. I think of Romans chapter five, verses two through four, and then James chapter one two through three, very very similar yeah. messages. Yeah. There is like. We're, you're probably all familiar with the James one. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet very meet various tri- trials of various kinds. And when we talked, when we did, I think the book report on James, we talked about mm-hmm. that word trials there means hardships and, and things yeah. that are going to cause suffering. Um, and then even in Romans, when Paul there in Romans chapter 5, he said, we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope getting us to that eternal, you know, our right. reach, reaching eternity because we know that what we're going through is going to be worth it. But having the attitude of, of rejoicing mm-hmm. because knowing that, and I, I've got a list here that I think, I don't know, I have benefits of suffering that I pulled from a couple of articles that I think oh, we'll yeah. get into, yeah. but mm-hmm. one of those is to, it draws you closer to God. Um, right. And I think these two verses kind of lead into that, is that you rejoice because it produces endurance, it produces yeah. um, steadfastness to help you get through it, and where do you get that from? Suffering. Right. From, from suffering, but from, right. from God, right? You're, yeah. What's James say? You uh, draw near to God, and, and He will draw near, near to you. you. Yeah, so right. I think... Suffering, I've heard people say, I don't know how someone that doesn't have God can get through this type of yeah. ordeal. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. I, I couldn't. So Yeah, I don't think I, I could either. Well, the verse um, you bringing up, James, it reminded me of First Peter 4, and verse 12 specifically, kind of through the end of the chapter, says, Beloved, do not think it's strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake in Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. So, and in context, I think he's more talking about spiritual sufferings, but, you know, that's obviously a part of suffering too. And, you know, it's, if, I mean, it's just like anything else, like the old phrase, well, no think, pain, no gain. I think the physical suffering yeah. can lead yeah. to the spiritual suffering. Because oh, yeah, you start getting to that Job effect of questioning the why. And, right. you know, so and, I, and when we talk about how many examples there are of suffering, you know, I think, you know, the verse side of things, there's plenty of evidence there, but the entire book of Acts, I mean, think of how much suffering that Peter, yeah. Paul, like all of the apostles, you know, Job, I mean, Christ himself. I mean, you want to talk about somebody that suffered, you know, right. how about mm-hmm. our, you know, the model example of the Bible. So, I mean, there's just countless examples. I was, I even think of uh, like the book of Esther, you think of her and Mordecai and all the Jews and even, you know, the Jews when they were in exile and rebuilding the temple and all that, yeah. like yeah. you know, they went through some some things that were difficult. Even you know the Israelites, even though in some of these cases these people kind of had it coming to a degree, you know, all the complaining and lack of faith that they had in God, but wandering around in the wilderness and you know half starving in situations well, like well, there's you, and you mentioned all those people and you go to Hebrews chapter eleven and you read through all of these. Oh yeah, all those folks, and the yeah. majority of them went through some kind of suffering in the context right. of what the Hebrew writers even talking about. Talking about right. Moses giving up the you know the pleasures of Egypt to mm-hmm. suffer with his fellow you know his brothers yeah. as a as a Hebrew because he knew there was something greater. 
Exactly. And, and every single one of those people in there knew that. Exactly. And I mean, I don't think of too many Bible characters that are, I guess we'll say memorable, that didn't go through some kind right. of suffering. Okay, that's you know? a good point. Yeah. I mean, I, I really can't think of any off the top of my head. I mean, Enoch, Enoch yeah. it, we don't know yeah. that, but it says he walked with God and then he wasn't. Well, the, so. well, and that's the only referring to his death, too. So we don't really know anything about that what happened like, during his life. Yeah. Well, to say anybody that covers more than like a handful of verses probably yeah. is documented some kind of suffering. Well, honestly, I would say if Enoch was that faithful to where God didn't allow him yeah. to die, I would say he most likely faced some sort yeah. of trial. Mm-hmm. Uh, but y'all talking about, especially going back to those passages in James and Romans and First Peter and all of those verses that talk about you know our attitude, which you've already alluded to this, Ryan, but the direction that I was going with some of those verses is the benefit of suffering, because I can't remember where I originally heard this, but I've always remembered it in the context of this discussion. In order for the argument to be made that you know God is unjust or unrighteous for allowing there to be suffering, you would have to prove that all suffering is bad. And, and when you look at my it, list it's, too. Yeah, it's of, not. Mm-hmm. It's very beneficial for all of the things that we've already talked about in James 1, Romans 5, 1 Peter 4, 1 Peter 2. I think he talks about it more there as also. Uh, but suffering is, can be a very good thing, even just looking at it from a physical standpoint. I looked this up because I didn't know what the term was, but there's a condition called congenital insensitivity to pain and anhydrosis. And basically what that means is it's a condition, I think it's like one in every 125 million people, but it's a condition where you can't feel pain. And those people, I looked it up, well, in the article that I was reading, said that most people with that condition don't live past 25. Hmm. I don't know why that is. The article didn't state it. I don't know if it's like because they can't feel pain, they end up injuring themselves to the point of death. I don't know if that's the case, but in that article... They were talking about how self-mutilation is almost universal with those people because they don't know like that something's hurting them. They don't know that something's cutting them or something's burning them. Mm -hmm. And so having those senses, even from just purely a physical standpoint, is good because that signals to our brain, hey, something's not right and you need to check this out. Mm -hmm. And so not all suffering is bad. And then when you... Couple that with those passages, James 1, Romans 5. It's very beneficial and produces a lot of things in our life. The other thing that I thought about outside of those characteristics that it can produce in our life is the fact that, kind of going back to 1 Peter 4, uh, what he talks about there, rejoicing that we are worthy to suffer for the name of Christ, mm-hmm. is that suffering, that persecution that we go through for the sake of our faith, can be a good indicator of our faithfulness Mm -hmm. to God. Now, obviously, it's not universal, uh, because I would say some people suffered for their faith that perhaps were not truly Christians. I mean, I think about Matthew 7, 21 through 23, not everyone who says me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But it can be a good indicator that we are striving to live faithfully to God. Yeah, I've heard, um, and I, and I, I know Romans chapter 10, verse 13 is referring to temptation in the sense of being tempted to sin. But the I think the principle is there that God 
is aware of what you can deal with. Um, and if you're, I've heard it said that if you, if everything in life is rosy, maybe that's an indication of God knows that your faith right. is weak and, and you can't put up with a lot of stuff. Now, I'm not saying that, again, God doesn't always inflict us with stuff, or right. He doesn't inflict us. Let me rephrase that. God doesn't always allow us to be inflicted by mm-hmm. stuff like that negatively to prove our faith, but inevitably it does, because yeah. the stronger you are in faith, the more—I mean, it just stands to reason to me that right. the, the stronger you are in your faith, the more you can handle. Yeah. And I think that's the principle we see there in James, is each time you get a little stronger— Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you think of all of the examples of different people in the Bible, we'd probably all agree that they, you know, got a lot stronger in their faith because of the trials that they went through yeah. almost every single time. And the same is true for us today. Right. Mm-hmm. And going back to what you mentioned about if your life is really rosy, a verse that I thought along with that kind of point is Luke 6 and verse 26. When Christ says, Woe to you when all people speak well mm-hmm. of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. If everything is always good and we don't ever receive any pushback about what we teach or how we live or what we practice, then maybe for one, we're not really living out our faith, or two, what we're doing isn't actually truth, and it's just pleasing people. Right. Um, I was, I'll just bring in an illustration. I was actually talking to Parker about this on the way to the Arch Conference mm. this weekend. So um, when I was coaching soccer, we there used to be this team uh, out of Lexington, North Carolina. Um, they probably had Lexington in the name or the county, but basically they would play like a ton of easy teams and make the record, you know, like really 20 good. and 3 at the end of the year and then get beat in the first round. And it's because they didn't go through any like testing mm-hmm. or, you know, comparatively suffering. Whereas, yeah. you know, some of these other schools, you know, I went to Forbush High School and, you know, at the time, we went to at least like the state semifinal seven years out of 10 that I, you know, I was helping to coach for like a little bit of time and some of their travel teams. But, you know, we play a pretty tough schedule. And as a result, you know, we wouldn't be, you know, it wouldn't catch us off guard come playoff time. Yeah. And, you know, you see that at all levels, you know, whether that be, you know, the NFL and the college football play that's going on now, NBA, you know, the teams that are tested the most. They tend to, you know, hold up a lot better in the playoffs than the teams that, you know, load up on the easy schedules. Yeah. And uh, well, um, and real quickly, a verse that that Ryan, you actually kind of made me think of this one too, and you brought it up kind of a couple minutes ago. But in Romans chapter five, talking about um, suffering, that verse two says that through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that. But we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. So if we didn't go through those tribulations, through those suffering, then we wouldn't get the positives right. like you were mentioning, right. Ryan. Well, it, oh. well, I was going to say, I had this for later in my list of benefits, but one of, them, one of the benefits is it, it prepares us for eternity. Um, yeah. And what you said there you know, playing a tough schedule to prove yourself. It yeah. reminds me of first Peter chapter one. Yeah, That's where I was mm-hmm. gonna, about well, to go, go ahead and read no, it. You, then. You, oh, I've got it. All right. In this, you rejoice though. Now for a little while, if necessary, you have grieved, you have been grieved by various trials 
so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I think the point, well, I was just going to say is we go through these battles to prepare us for that great reward that mm-hmm. and I don't want to liken it to state championship but going back to your yeah. <laughs> analogy of playing soccer state championships you go through that because your goal is to win the title right, right? Mm-hmm. and no matter what sport it is and I'm not trivializing eternity and I think you guys realize that just for our listening audience yeah. I'm not comparing it to some Really unimportant. Well, I mean, Peter trope. uses the example of refining metals. <laughs> yeah, true. And Paul talks about us running a race and trying to get yeah. a wreath. But anyway, so the point there is we go through all of this because, and it kind of ties in with, you know, Paul, Romans chapter 8, verse 18 says the sufferings we're going through really can't compare with the glory right. that we're going to see. Mm-hmm. I, I think it, it helps put us in perspective, is, yes. is another benefit there. Is, Absolutely. Um, well, one of one of the benefits listed was helps us to see the real wor- worth of things, and I've heard um, people say, "Man, it really put life in perspective when this happened, or when mm-hmm. you know, this illness came upon me. It made me stop and smell the roses." Yeah, I don't know, humble heard, you, all right? Yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. it, it helps maybe reset your priorities. Your spirituality. Yeah. yeah, I mean yeah. priorities and spirituality, whatever that may be, is. Is is that suffering has that benefit? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we talked about misconception of kind of who God is and how He operates and whatnot. But I think also it there's a misconception in terms of our like purpose and then kind of the purpose of Earth, I guess, if you will. You know, our purpose here isn't just to like you know, have a wonderful time and, you know, be happy all the time, you know. Our key Our, verse says what? The whole duty yeah, of man yeah, is fear God, fear God and keep his commandments, yeah. right? And, you know, well, and, and Solomon was one I was going to bring him up later, but, I mean, you know, now that we bring him into it here, I mean, somebody who kind of, like, did it, all, did it all, you know, you know, whether that come to, you know, his wealth, power, you know, he's one that wanted wisdom, you know, he had all of these things, you know, you know, women, like, Anything you want to throw into here. And at the end of the day, like all of these things of the world, he says, vanity of vanities. Like it all yep. doesn't matter. What truly matters yep. is, you know, fearing God and keeping his commandments. Um, so, you know, f- taking it from somebody who's considered, you know, the wisest man who ever lived, I'd probably take that as pretty good advice. Right. And I guess to go along with that concept, since you went back to like a misconception of who God is, going back to the idea, which I think we've already hit on it, of, you know, some things just happen. Solomon basically says that in Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 11. Uh, he states, again, I saw that under the sun the, the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. And especially that last phrase there, time and chance. And in essence, what Solomon is saying, sometimes stuff just happens. Mm -hmm. Even if you're prepared for it, like the battle doesn't always go to the strong, the race doesn't always go to the fastest. Even if you're prepared for it, you're ready for it, you've trained for it, sometimes it just doesn't work out and things just happen. And I think that's, I mean, I'm sure that's probably a very unsatisfying answer sometimes, but that's just the reality of what we see in Scripture and even what we can just observe uh, throughout our lives. 
Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, it may be a good time now to think about, you know, what are what's the purpose of suffering, you know, to begin with, or why does suffering happen? You know, and there's a whole lot of different reasons that you can get into, but you were kind of touching on one there. I mean, there's going to be certain things of this world, physical disasters, tornadoes, earthquakes, that it's not really going to be anybody's fault, you know. Yeah. And but on the flip and it's side not of that, God's fault either. Yeah, exactly. But also, some of the suffering that we go through is kind of like our own fault. Yes. You know, like if you know if I'm working on something in the garage and I'm not careful, you know, I could injure myself, and you know, maybe that could be lethal. But yeah. is that God's fault? No, no. You know, that's you know, that's on me for not being careful enough. Um, yeah, you know, I've, sir, I've heard that's like in comedy movies, but I know people have done this. There's a, oh, I guess there's a couple of thoughts that I have going through my head at the same time, but there's a old game called Lawn Darts. They oh, have I a, used to play with Yeah, those they have a, a new kid. version of it where I would, I it's would, not dangerous. You can ask Reggie. <laughs> when I was like six, our grandpa would take us camping, and I'd just chuck it up and wait for it, to, and I would get out of the way. But, I yeah. mean, they had like a four-inch. Right. Yeah. They could really mess you up. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, it could kill what you if, if it hit you in the right spot. Yeah, what if I had a trip yeah. or something? But. And sometimes people do the same thing with like a bow and arrow. Yeah. Like they'll just shoot it straight up in the air. They'll get in a circle, and whoever's the last to leave, you know, they win. And the same thing is true of <laughs> I might win the same thing is true of like uh, I, I know in rodeos they'll do it where the guys sit at a table and they'll let a bull out hmm. and whoever's the last sitting at the table wins. It's like okay, we have to be real here. None of that's God's fault. That's our own yeah. stupidity yeah. that brings on the pain and yeah. whatever. And I mean, obviously, we're using kind of like trivial examples. But, I mean, we can expand that to various sins and yeah, things like that. Like the main example that I always think about is drinking. I mm-hmm. mean, if we go out and get drunk and we crash our car in a telephone pole and paralyze ourselves or even kill ourselves, that was our own doing. That was our own fault. That was just the natural consequence of our action. Mm-hmm. And then, but even there's certain things that are like the consequence of even people that came before us, you know, for even like Adam, for example, you know, the reason that suffering as a result of sin exists today is because of Adam and Eve, you know? So, um, so there's, we live in a fallen world today and we have to deal with the consequences because of that. Um, some of the things like we just mentioned are kind of like our own fault. Um, you mentioned in that about the bulls a minute ago. So I don't know why, but I've always, wanted to like do the running of the bulls in spain like oh just one time um i don't know what my strategy would be um and allison's completely against it but i've always found that like event really amusing and just like not a bucket list item per se interesting but i don't know um i probably won't ever do that i wasn't Sp- probably now smart. i was in spain and unfortunately, when I was there, it was like I think two weeks after said event. So, um, hmm. so I missed my like golden opportunity so far. But yeah, I'll probably there's always that. next year. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, Good luck with that. So, yeah. but so, if I get if I get hurt, then you know, probably not God's fault. Yeah, yeah. So we talked about um, the could be the cause of our own, could be the cause of somebody else. Sometimes I think that another one of the benefits I found was that it helps us to um, 
become compassionate to others because, and I think Mm -hmm. the prime example, and Robbie, you alluded to him already, is Jesus Christ. And a couple of verses from the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 15 and 16 said, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. And then goes on, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in time of need. And then also in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 18, it says, For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And I think if you tie those two together, that we learn to be compassionate because we've gone through yeah. it. You know, to that point where it says, Jesus is not unable to sympathize with us yeah. because he's dealt with it. Right. Same with us as we go through something and someone is like, man, how am I ever going to... Hey, I, yeah. I it may not be the exact same thing, and right. I try not to say, well, I know what you're going through because right. well, you may not 100%, right. but I I have dealt with something similar, really, yes. and you can, you can sympathize with them. And even, I would say, even if you have gone through maybe the exact same situation, you still can't truly say, I know what you're going through because everybody experiences these things different, differently. Yeah. But to go to that point in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, the God of all comfort. in verse 3, he says he's the God of all comfort. But in verse 4, he makes the very point that you just made, who comforts us in all our affliction, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction mm-hmm. with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So it's that same thing. Mm-hmm. We suffer, God comforts us, we get through it, then we're able to help others who are going through something similar. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's the point I was going to make, and even later in Hebrews, and they're more mentioning this in a spiritual sense and in context, talking about like Abraham and all the Old Testament dudes and and women, but dudes and dudettes. Um, yeah, exactly. So, um, but in Hebrews twelve verses one and two, it's talking about since we're like surrounded oh, by all yeah. of these like various examples of, of strong faith and going through trials, um, let us lay aside, you know the the Every sufferings, the things that we're going through, those weights that ensnare us. And again, we won't be able to deal with those things uh, unless we have the comfort that they learned as well. So um, to your point, you know, we learn that compassion or we learn how to overcome those struggles and mm-hmm. those feelings that we have in response to the sufferings that we face because of the other Christians that are around. You know, we see that in Acts 2 and then the... In, I believe in Acts 3 and other parts of early Acts, like all the Christians are together to encourage one another and really to uplift for the point that you are making there, Ryan, is that if if they've gone through something, then they'll be able to, you know, help those who are currently struggling right. with it. And, and uh, you reminded me of Romans 15, 4, which we use a lot of times saying that the old law was written for our mm-hmm. learning. Mm-hmm. But if, if you continue with that verse, there's if whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction— that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Going back to that, oh, let's look and see, wow, Job really went through a lot. And I can see that Job conquered that or made it through it. You know, he still had a rough go of it. I'm not dismissing any of that. Um, Christ suffered. And going back to your point, Robbie, I don't know that we can name anybody that really, from a biblical standpoint, a person that you read a narrative of or or an event where there wasn't some kind of suffering of some point, right. mm-hmm. which is going back to our point is God has never promised it. And if you really know God's word, you know that it's coming yes. at some uh, point in time. Yes. I mean, even that word endurance, uh, you know, 
If no there pain, was, no if gain, there was right? no suffering, that's what you said. No pain, would, exactly. no pain, no gain. You said that earlier. No is. pain, no gain. Yeah, I mean, there'd be nothing to endure if there weren't sufferings and problems well, in our world. And then again, you know, at the risk of sounding cliche, if we didn't have to endure those sufferings, then we wouldn't appreciate what was to come. Yep. Mm-hmm. Especially thinking about our eternal life in heaven. If everything was always great here, I don't think heaven would really. I mean, it would be a big deal because we would get to be with God. But I don't think it would mean as much to us yeah. mm-hmm. without having to suffer here for his cause. Yeah, exactly. Well, and kind of getting back to the original argument that that non-believers, atheists, agnostics, etc., will pose is, well, why would it? Why would God allow these things to happen, or is He not strong enough to do so? And I think what happens a lot of times, you know, let's take the natural disaster like the death of a child. You know, things like that happen, and a lot of people blame God for those things. And um, sometimes we aren't going to have an answer as to why things happen because we're humans and we're not God, and we don't, you know, we're not going to understand we don't know the mind of God. We're not going to no. understand. And I mean, just to like give an example, you know, there's there's various like problems of this world, as we all know. Um, there may be a natural disaster that happens in another country or even in the United States. You know, if that natural disaster doesn't happen, that doesn't give us Christians the opportunity to go and help and to minister to that group of people or those who are affected. Yeah. And so, you know, there's obvious benefits that you won't see. We've talked about that. But I think, like, even just blaming things on God just shows, like, Arrogance might not be the right word, but I think it shows the ignorance of His word. Yeah, yeah in, exactly. In, in yeah. all honesty, but and I really think that God reacts the same way that He did with Job after Job kind of started bellyaching about it a little yeah. bit too. And you know, to be fair, I probably would have done some bellyaching yeah. myself. But in verse four of Job thirty-eight, God kind of claps back at him. He says, "Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding." And I think, you know. A lot of us who blame God for, you know, natural disasters or cancer, the death of a child, um, spiritual struggles that we go through, you know, whatever it is, you know, blaming God, again, to your point, just shows a lack of understanding of of who God is, what his word says. And I think God, you know, responds pretty similarly today, just like, well, who do you think you are? Yeah, and I think the, the... We've referred to Jesus multiple times, but you think about the ultimate suffering that he went through. Oh, yeah. And we read there. Also, I don't think he ever, while on the cross, I think well, I think he felt forsaken there at one point in time where he says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? But the point that I'm trying to make is that when he was going through all the suffering up, up until that point, excuse me, <coughs> up until that point in the garden, it says there in Luke chapter 22, verse 44, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. It deepened his relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And number one, but he still humbled himself and said, but your will be done, right? Yeah. And he also tells people, I could have called 10 legions of angels. Mm-hmm. So he could have, but again, he humbled himself and put him put God's will in front of his to the point of where, number one, if we're going through this, maybe we should pray a little more earnestly. Yeah. doesn't mean that we're going to get the answer we want because right. Christ didn't get the answer, what I would say, he wanted because 
he wanted a different yeah. a different way to accomplish yes. it. Yeah. But um, the point there is that sometimes we've said that things happen, but sometimes you know we're here for the long haul, or right. we should be. And even those things that do just happen at random, going back to Romans eight and verse twenty eight, God can still use those things for our good. Uh, and you know, thinking about Christ praying whatever his will be done. And, you know, we apply that to our lives. And we see in 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, that we always need to pray according to his will. But whenever it comes to some of these certain situations, whether it be the health of a family member or other situations, we don't always know what the will of God is in that specific regard. And we also don't even know if God has a specific will concerning that particular situation. It may just happen. Going back to Ecclesiastes 9, we assume that God has a will as far as what happens to this person or that person, but he might not. And that's the thing. I think it goes back to the humility of accepting, accepting whatever it, answer yeah. God gives us. Mm-hmm. And an important reminder that we haven't touched on a lot is this world is temporary. This yeah. is not yes. This is not heaven. Heaven, there's no suffering. Mm-hmm. This is not the same. Right, yep. and again, that goes back to one of the benefits of suffering is it reminds us that there's a place yeah. where this will all be over with. And it keeps, like you've talked about earlier, Ryan, it keeps those things in perspective. Well, So well while suffering may say that this life will end at some point, I think we have reached the end mm-hmm. of this maybe. You yeah. think you got any other points? I, I don't think or? so. I'm good. I'm good, too. We could probably go on for a lot longer, but yeah. um, I guess for this one, that you can consider this one the, the conclusion, conclusion of the matter. matter.